0: So let's have a word of prayer, and then we will get going. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, grateful to you that you have uh, been so kind to us as a Father. You have provided for us uh, a way to know you. Uh, Even though we have fallen, Lord, you have uh, provided, again, a revelation that we might be able to... Uh, understand you through the power of your word and the work of your spirit. Lord, we ask for help today as we try to understand these things. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay. Does everyone remember uh, last week we were talking about general Revelations? Does everyone remember this? I will... uh, for the sake of our online people, I'll try and keep the questions down to a minimum because they probably can't hear you. And, uh, you know, they got me speaking, so they, you know, they, want, they want to hear what I have to say, not you guys. Okay. Is everyone okay today? Alright. Good. So, does everyone remember General Revelation? Zeke? What's general revelation? It's um, how you can see, like, uh, like through nature into the world, like what the Bible says about God. Okay, yeah. So through nature, we're able to see uh, different uh, attributes of God. That God is there, and that there are attributes we can know about Him through nature. Now, typically... Um, It is the case that people look at this whole, these two different views of revelation this way. They will see general revelation as a way God has revealed himself in nature, and then special revelation is a different way God has revealed himself through Scripture. So they'll think uh, this way. So I can know certain things. Um, about the world and truths about the world through God's revelation in nature. But if I want to know about Jesus and him saving us from our sin, then I need special revelation for that. Typically, that's how people have viewed it. Okay. However, uh, what I would like to propose to you is that uh, maybe it's this way that God has revealed himself uh, with one revelation to us. Okay? In fact, your first blank there is God revealed himself to us in one infallible revelation of himself. One infallible revelation of himself. And as you remember... Last time we spoke to each other, uh, how is it that God has um, God has accommodated Himself to us? How has He condescended to us? Remember we talked about that. I think that was maybe a couple weeks ago, but I know you can remember. How has God condescended to us? Has He done it through reason? Okay, good, we'll get to that. But what was the general way? What was it? Word became flesh. Okay, good, we'll get to that. There's an even more general way that He has accommodated Himself to us that we might know Him. Through His creeds. Through covenant, yes. Remember Westminster Confession of Faith one. That the gap between God and man is too great. We would never be able to know him unless he condescended to us. And he did this by way of covenant. So your second blank there is God revealed himself by way of covenant. So I'm slowly putting something together for you. First of all, we know his revelation is just one really complex, infallible revelation to man. We'll get to how it divides in a minute. And this, this revelation to us is going to be covenantal in nature, because that is how he has condescended to us. Covenantally. Now, are there rational things we can know about his revelation? Absolutely. And we even categorize them in rational ways, and that's Wonderful. But the nature of his revelation that we're going to talk about today is a covenantal nature. Okay? Although it has aspects of reason to it, we don't want to take that away, but that's not what it is in its essence. So um, if you look at your next line there, God's one infallible revelation comes in two forms. It comes in two forms, general and what we're going to talk today, special, general and special. So this one revelation of God comes to us in two forms, two different ways that he uh, reveals himself. And I want you to look, if you would, in Genesis 6 to help understand what we're talking about here. Does anyone know what happens to Genesis 6? What's that? Yeah. Noah, the story of Noah. You all remember the story of Noah. What an appropriate story for Sunday school. Right? Everyone likes the story of Noah. What about the Nephilim? <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that real soon. We may not have time today. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> Alright, so, story of Noah. If you look, since we all know the story so well, we've attended Sunday school long enough. Um, if you look at uh, Genesis 6.14, um, this is God speaking to, to Noah, and God is telling him, because the flood is coming, he tells him, make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. Now, that might not sound too interesting to you, but God is telling him to make the ark out of wood, out of something physical, from nature, right? Specific kind of wood, gopher wood. If you want to see what that looks like, you can go to Kentucky. Is it Kentucky? Yeah. All right. Uh, and see it for yourself. So, uh, and then verse 18, uh, it says, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, and your sons and your wife and your sons' sons and your, your sons' wives with you. Okay. So the ark, made of wood from nature, is the thing that will protect them. So God is making an agreement with Noah to protect Noah and his family with something from nature. Correct? We're all on board? Alright, now if you look at 7-4, then Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him entered the ark because of the water of the flood. So what is God's wrath being demonstrated with? God is... Uh, is angry with uh, the people of the world and he's showing his anger through? Through water, yeah. He's cleansing the world through water. Protecting the people that he made a covenant with, with the wood. Okay? Uh, chapter 9, after the flood uh, is is over and all the... The water has receded enough for Noah and his family to exit the boat. Um, God says, I set my bow in the cloud, talking about the rainbow, and it shall be a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. So how is God giving us a sign of his covenant? Through a rainbow, right? Part of nature. and he's speaking this to Noah so how would we define if for those of us that are maybe kind of tracking with me a little bit here how would we define something like special revelation what is that that is how would we what would we say that is god speaks to noah Noah uses nature, God uses nature, but God speaks to Noah, right? This is special revelation, God's speech to man, right? That's the special revelation. The general revelation is the wood, right? The water. How does Noah know that God's wrath is being poured out on the earth? He sees it in the water. How does Noah know that God is keeping his covenant with him? Because the the wood is staying together as they sit in that boat. And how does he know that covenant is going to be kept? Because he looks in the sky and he sees the rainbow, right? So the special revelation is God's speech to man. General revelation is what man sees in nature. So What are we seeing here? We're seeing that God's special revelation is mediated by general revelation. That's your next blank there. It's mediated. Uh, back in uh, when I lived up north there, were th- there was this thing called unions. And in Unions. You would um, have these. I know you're looking at me very strangely. Uh, so it's hard to explain. They would have these groups that would be working for this company. They would assign people to be mediators between the people that made decisions up in the administration and the workers that were on the ground. It's called these unions. And in these unions, you'd have a mediator that would mediate between the administration. And the workers Trying to help the administrators know what the workers' wishes are And then that media would go back to the workers And tell them what the administration's wishes are And then they would begin to go on strike after that soon, I'm sure So my point is this What uh, have we talked about lately that requires mediation? When we talk about Mediation what kind of a word is that? What, what have we been talking about that has something to do with mediation? Covenant. Thank you. Yes. When you have something mediating between two groups, this is covenantal activity. So when we're talking about God revealing himself to us, and that, rude, this revelation is covenantal, then we know that special and general revelation are going to be acting in covenantal ways. God's speech, special revelation. When we look out in nature and see it played out before us, general revelation. General revelation is mediating to show us what what a special revelation looks like. And this happens all throughout scripture, right? If you really are one of God's children, what should we see? Good works. Fruit. We hear this word, fruit, right? What are we talking about? We're talking about things we can see that is evidence, this mediation between what we have heard God say through his word, right? God's revelation is always working in tandem with each other in a covenantal way for our sake. Make sense? Okay. I'm looking very carefully to make sure this makes sense. If I see any confusion whatsoever, we're stopping. All right. If you would, turn with me to 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Second Timothy three. There it is. Second Timothy three, sixteen, to be exact. To get a good understanding of what this special revelation is, or what it covers, we can put it that way, uh, we need to turn to God's special revelation to help us understand uh, what this what this is. So, 2 Timothy three sixteen, <clears throat> all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. All right. Well, let's start with the very beginning. All Scripture. All Scripture. Now, we might say, because we're in Sunday school, uh, if I were to ask, uh, what does this mean, this all Scripture, you would know, because you're in Sunday school, there's only a few answers to give. Prayer, the Bible, and Jesus. uh, The Bible would be the right answer, right? All Scripture is the Bible. But what do you say to someone that says, Oh, no, no, you don't understand. Uh, In the New Testament, when they speak of Scripture, typically they're talking about the Old Testament. So how do you respond to someone who says something like that, and here's, here's some bad news, they're right. Typically in the New Testament, when it's speaking of the Scriptures... The Scriptures is speaking of the Old Testament. So how do you know when you come across this verse that they're not, that's, this is not Paul just saying, hey, don't forget, the Old Testament is uh, God's breath to us. Peter commends Paul's writings. What was that? Peter commends Paul's writings. Okay, good, good. That's a good uh, verse to use. Where Peter commends uh, Paul's writings is what, what Anthony was saying. Something somewhere <laughs> about um if, if they didn't believe Moses, they wouldn't believe even if a man rose from the dead He pointed to Moses if you won't believe him. I don't where it is. Yeah, I know what you're talking about though, right? If you wouldn't believe that, why would you believe him? They got, got into the flesh, why would you believe me? Unless okay. Okay. Yeah. More importantly Christ even said himself, I did not come to the place the law, but to Okay. So there, he's saying the, the old scriptures is what I'm validating. It's exactly what my Father in heaven sent you to do. Okay. So we have two things going on here. We have, um, we have Jesus saying that if you didn't believe Moses, why would you even believe anything I say or even anything you see me do? And we have also Jesus saying, I did not come here to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And if Jesus is fulfilling the law, then we need a special revelation to see what that looks like. Right? Good. So, um, if it, when we come back to this verse, all scripture is inspired. Um, I'm going to introduce you. Now, this isn't super, uh, this isn't super complex, but it's a weird word. Um, there's this thing in, in, in the Greek called the anarthrous noun. The anarthrous noun. You can write that down and use that at a party sometime to uh, impress people. Have you heard of the anarthrous noun? Well, let me tell you. Uh, so all it really means is that there is no article or there is no the or a uh in front of the word. Okay? Uh, like like Canadians. They don't say uh, he went to the University of whatever. They say he went to university. I don't know how they talk in Canada. Okay, uh, but they they take the 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 off, and we don't know why they do that. Um, it's Canada. I think uh, Europeans do they that put as well. What was that? They put the a. Oh a at right. The end. Yes. I'm sorry. They went to university eh? I'm, this is just terrible. <laughs> this is this is online. We're going to be sued by. Canada. Canada <laughs> all right. No offense to our Canadian brethren watching this. Okay. Not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if there's no the in front of the word, they called this anarthros noun. What does that mean? Well, that means uh, that uh, when we look at verse 16, when it says all scripture, uh, in the Greek there is no The. Right? There's no article. So it's not saying all the scripture is inspired by God. It's simply saying all scripture. Now that means that this is not qualifying it to the Old Testament. It's, a, it's actually quite unusual for Paul to do this for the New Testament because New Testament listeners are, are listening to this and what Paul is saying is that all the scripture... Or not all, all scripture, everything you're hearing, even this very letter that you're listening to, is God's breath to us. Well, that's pretty significant, right? So Paul is saying that both Old and New Testaments are God's breath. So your next little uh, line there is, Paul is referring to the Old Testament and all of the New. Okay. And as we look at this word, inspired by God, inspired, what's interesting about this word, uh, these words, inspired by God, this is not uh, speaking of us being inspired by God, through God's word. Does that make sense? This has been an argument, as you listen to people that are desperate to make sure the Bible really doesn't have any power or any meaning whatsoever, Right? Uh, This has been an argument by liberal theologians to say, no, uh, this isn't God's bread. It's inspiring to us. isn't it inspiring when we hear these words. I'm so inspired. So the inspiring comes to the human. Um, That is a... Well, it's poor Greek uh, exegesis, but it's also um, a problem because if you look closely at that word, what you find is that this is speaking of breath itself. Uh, scripture is God's expiration. It's expiring His breath out. Um, and it's one word. It's all one word. And so that is significant to us, that all Scripture, all the New Testaments, is God's breath. He is speaking to us. This is a special revelation. And I want you to notice also that It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for equipping, and for every good work. Now, let me ask you this. Why doesn't it just say that uh, all of Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for every good work? Why doesn't it just say for every good work? Why does it go through all this other stuff? Do you think? All right. Well, I've given you some time to think that over. <laughs> <laughs> um, oftentimes, we imagine that special revelation leads to magic. So God's word is God's breath to us that will magically allow us to do good works. We get this magic idea uh, probably from our Catholic roots where there was a lot of magic going on with, uh, with their um, different views of communion and, and baptism and things like that. In fact, even the idea of magic, you've heard of the term hocus-pocus? We've heard of this? All right. It's okay to at least nod to me, so I feel like I'm not alone here. Okay. Um, Do you know where uh, hocus-pocus even comes from? Yeah. Um, It comes from the uh, the Latin phrase that the priests would say while they were Doing their transubstantiation, they would say, uh, Hoc est corpus meum. And people wouldn't know what that, what that meant. So it's are like, it's Hocus hoc pocus. They didn't understand. They didn't even understand what it meant. It's just this Latin stuff that the priest says. We tend to think this way sometimes. Um, but God works through his providence. And through his sovereignty works in us that we might work as well. I'm not saying we are doing uh, something outside of what he does in us. What I'm saying is this work of special revelation is for your being taught, for you being reproved, corrected, and trained in righteousness, so that you might be equipped... To do good works. So that special revelation lays upon you responsibility. That you might be trained. Which means what? It means uh, where does this happen? Where are you taught, reproved, corrected, and trained in righteousness? Church, church, yes. And yes, I know you do it at home, I hope. Men are leading uh, their families in doing this, and that's wonderful. But the uh, place that the family comes for this kind of work (coughs) is church. And who is responsible for you to be taught Reproved, corrected, trained. Isn't it the people that God has placed over you in your church? So God's special revelation is very important in your daily work in church. Particularly how you treat those people that are there to speak God's breath to you. So that you might be taught, reproved, corrected, and trained. So that you we might see those good works in our general revelation. Right? Uh, Now why is special revelation special? Have you thought about this? What makes special revelation special? Um, look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Start there. So the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And we've talked about this before. Who suppress the truth and unrighteousness? Remember we talked about this last week. They are suppressing the truth. And what are they using to suppress the truth, typically? Unrighteousness, that's right. And this unrighteousness is wrapped up in their justifying themselves, usually through reason. That reason is not able to uh, assist them in justifying their beliefs. Talked about that last week. So God's revelation is infallible, right? General revelation is absolutely infallible, but we are not. Humans are not infallible. In fact, we have a huge problem. That is your blank there. We have a problem. Now this is where we differ from Catholics. There's a lot of places we differ from Catholics, but this is really important that we, start, that we do this because there is a movement, even within our Reformed world, in which we want to go back to, our, to Catholicism. I think it's a problem. I think that's something that we need to deal with. And it comes down to what you think our problem is. If you are unsaved, if you are an unbeliever, what is... At heart, your problem you're in, rebellion. you're in rebellion Is it that you have Been um, Confused Logically And if, if your reason was set back To right reason Then you would That's your real problem that your reason has been tainted, askewed. We just have to fix your rational skills so that you see general revelation for what it's supposed to be. Is that our problem? No. Your next blank there is, the problem is broken covenant not a confusion of the, of the mind. It is not a confusion of reason. It is that you have broken covenant with your God. That's your problem. All the right reasoning in the world is gonna keep leading you to suppression, suppression, suppression. You can be the best logician in the universe. You can understand philosophy better than anybody else in the world. You can know logic so well you might even be a mathematician. You might even got your PhD in mathematics uh, because you just like it so much. But in the end, that isn't your problem. Your problem is that you've broken covenant with God. And you need the covenant to be fixed. That's not going to be reason that's going to do that for you. If you are in broken covenant with God, all perception of God's revelation, general or special, is as broken as the covenant is. So your next line there is all perception of God's revelation, whether we're talking about general or specific or special, is as broken as the covenant. So, as 1 Corinthians tells us, they're going to look at special revelation and it's going to be foolishness to them. They're going to look at general revelation and they will make it foolishness because their covenant is broken. It's not just their mind. The fact that they have poor... uh, Rational skills or whatever it is uh, that makes them turn away from God, it's not the reason that turn, makes them turn. It's that covenantal break. Because, as Romans 1.21 tells us, For even though they knew God, right, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations. And their foolish heart was darkened. How are they going to view God's general revelation? They're going to view it as something that is beautiful. And deep down inside, they do know there is a God. But that suppression, suppression, suppression is always going to be there. They're going to push it away because they're in broken covenant. So that's the problem. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God uh, predestined before the ages To our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age have understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And as we keep reading down, what we find is that we understand, as believers, special revelation because of what? What allows us to understand special revelation? The Holy Spirit, that's right, For he is the one that searches the mind of God and reveals it to us through scripture. So special revelation is special because, this is your next blank, is special because the Holy Spirit enlightens through it, enlightens through it. This means this enlightenment is only for covenant keepers. And how are you keeping that covenant? In Christ. Christ. You have been unified with Christ. You are in union with him. The Holy Spirit works through scripture to mediate between God and us. There's mediation going on. How do we know what God's breath is in his special revelation? Because of the mediation between uh, us and the Father, which is the Holy Spirit work for our enlightenment. This is what kind of language? This mediation stuff? covenantal. Covenantal language. That's right. Is there any kind of understanding of God's revelation? His one revelation that comes in two forms, special and general. Is there any understanding of that revelation? True understanding of it outside of covenant. No. There's no understanding of it outside of covenant because... It is the mediatorial work of God in our lives. So what does this mean? Um, Remember last, last week we talked about, you know, if you're an unbeliever, then, you know, why are we reading science books and all this stuff? How do they know anything and we, we understood that, yes, they do know things that are true, and they do know things that, um, that they do believe, but who do they give credit for for the things that they find in nature? Yeah. Do they give credit to the Lord? No. They don't give thanks. They don't give honor, as Romans 1 speaks of because they are speaking of they are those who are speaking in broken covenant. So yes, there are things that they can see, they use their reason to make connections and they are a great help in many ways for us for us to get a clear understanding of our world and it's wonderful, but when you don't give God's give God credit, that is let me put it this way. It's bigger than what we typically believe. Um, remember we talked about last week this whole idea of how it is someone comes to know something. Those of you that end up in a, uh, at college and you have to take a philosophy course, you will learn this thing called justified true beliefs. It is the, what we call Epistemology 101. How does someone come to know anything? Can you know something that is true and believe that it's true, but justify it in a way that's wrong and still say you know it? Uh, No one believes that. Even unsaved people would say, no, you don't know it if you don't have the right justification for it. You can't accidentally know something true. You can accidentally believe something's true, but you can't know it. And I come, and I know that's all, you know, this philosophical talk, but I want you to understand. That that is built in us. Being able to justify our beliefs is, is something that God built in us to be concerned about because God is concerned about it. What is it in Romans 1 that was made God wrathful? We say suppression of the truth. That was, that's true, but what's the core specific issue that God took with humans? They weren't grateful. We think so small of that. But God says that's everything. I would rather you misunderstand what a cell is or what's inside of it, but be grateful to me for supplying it. I'm not anti education, honestly. I I'm probably the last person that would think such a thing. But, what I'm saying is, what is God helping us recognize when we talk about gratitude? It's going to go back to this word I keep bringing up today. What is gratitude a demonstration of? mediation. Yes. yes. That we are recognizing his mediation. That we are recognizing his covenantal work, and our place in that covenant. Because God reveals himself by way of covenant. We categorize it to understand it, and we call that reason. But God did not reveal himself by way of reason. He revealed himself by way of covenant, mediating to us this covenantal work. So in general revelation... We see the outworkings of the things that we see in special revelation, right? What are we looking forward to as Christians? Second coming, coming, right? Uh, God's second, or Christ's second coming. Um... Many people say we're looking forward to heaven, but what are we really looking forward to? We're really looking forward to the new heavens and new earth that God is going to make for us, with the new Jerusalem coming down. That's what we're looking forward to. What kind of revelation is that? Well, we're told about it, right? Right? That's the special part. We're informed. This is what it's going to look like. We wouldn't be able to just look out in the world and go, you know what, I bet, I the look at those trees, eventually God's going to come back and redo all this. But we were told that in Scripture. So that's the special revelation, right? And how is a special revelation going to be mediated to us one day? We're going to see it. Right? And when we see the new heavens and the new earth, and we look around and we think, wow, this is different. I remember the old earth looked this way, and now it looks like this. And this is amazing. And you're participating in enjoying general revelation that has been, that is now mediating to you the promises that have been given through special revelation. They are not two opposite things. One isn't better than the other. It's one that is mediating constantly. You parents, when you see your children obey, and they obey happily, even when it's hard for them to do that, and you celebrate, not because they did what you said, but you're starting to see, through general revelation, you're starting to see that maybe they're saved. Maybe God has done a work in their hearts. And you're encouraged because of the promises through special revelation to you and your children is the promise. And then as you watch them, you are encouraged because their activity is encouraging you through general revelation because of the promises you read in special. Does this all make sense? This should be exciting to us. It's exciting to me. Um, So, let's uh, have a word of prayer as we get ready to listen uh, to the Lord speak to us through Andrew in special revelation this uh, this morning. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are uh, so grateful to you for the way you have revealed yourself to us, that you have done this uh, by way of something so personal, Lord through covenantal work, a personal work. We thank you for your work of your Son being that covenantal sacrifice and the work of the Holy Spirit being that covenantal work to us that we might know you better. Lord, we pray for uh, strength, for wisdom, and help today as we come before you that we might be able to worship you well. Lord, we ask these things in your Son's name. Amen.